Welcome to the Podglomerate. Hello and welcome to Plus 7 Intelligence, the show about how games impact people. My name is Chess. This episode, we are continuing our seven-part series on games and mental health. Last week, the World Health Organization released its newest edition of the International Classification of Diseases, including recognizing gaming disorder as a mental health condition. This has sent waves through the gaming community and the news headlines. I would be remiss as the head of a show about the impact of games, in the middle of a series on mental health, no less, to not cover this. So, I called up licensed mental health counselor, Josue Cardona, and asked him to return to the show to share his expertise. And we ended up talking for a very long time about this decision, the ramifications, and the unintended consequences. The format ended up looser than normal, but I also ended up learning more from this discussion than I did the entire week and a half of reading articles and hot takes on this topic. We went so deep into it that I had to split it up into two episodes. In this first part, we focus on the basics of the decision, what it means practically, and what the language means. And I think you'll be surprised how something so simple can end up being problematic. Next episode, we'll go deeper into the wider consequences of this decision. This episode is brought to you by Discord. Discord is an all-in-one voice and text chat platform designed for gamers, and it's free to use on your desktop, phone, or tablet. Use it to co-op with friends or to discover new communities of gamers to play with. Get started with Discord by checking out the Plus 7 Intelligence Discord server, the place to discuss how games impact people. Just go to discord.gg slash plus 7. Now, on to part one of the discussion of the announcement of gaming disorder as a mental health condition. All right, joining me for a second time is the wonderful Josue Cardona. He is a mental health counselor and the man behind the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Josue. Hey, Chess. Thanks for having me again. I wanted to start with some some basics because I think that this is the classic example of something happening and all the headlines go immediately to to the worst case scenario, the, the most dramatic version of it. So first of all, the World Health Organization, what are they? They are they are part of the United Nations. They are basically their World Health um, Organization organization that that's what they're all about i actually did in college i did a world health engineering class essentially about uh, what the world health organization does for all kinds of things they help deliver vaccines to places around the world they do studies they are they're there in disaster zones bringing medical care so it's a very well-respected organization and, and they they have a lot of influence do you have anything else you want to add about the WHO? I think that the most relevant thing to our conversation is that they create and publish the ICD, which is the International Classification of Diseases. I think it's it's currently at uh, revision 11, and that's where we're going to see gaming disorder. And, you know, people keep talking about WHO or who because they... They're the ones who put this out. They're the ones who made this decision to include, and they're the ones who include all sorts of stuff, right, in, in the ICD-11. And really the purpose of the ICD is to classify and code uh, different diseases so that everyone in the world can kind of have a reference point. So I guess the, the basic question that's probably on everybody's mind is, like, what what practically does does it mean for gaming disorder to be listed as a mental health condition in the ICD. What effect does the ICD have? Basically, it's all about coding. So when you go to a doctor, they give you some sort of diagnosis, whatever it is, and they use some sort of code. And usually that code comes from some sort of diagnostic manual, right? In mental health, it's usually the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, which is the DSM. But you can also use codes from the ICD. Now, everybody uses the ICD, everybody in health. So 
really having gaming disorder in the ICD means that you could go to your general practitioner, like just because, you know, your knee hurts or you have a headache and you could come out with gaming disorder. Like they could just put that on the, on your, on your, uh, on your record. And that could happen starting today or uh, soon? Yeah, yeah. I think it's official. I think it's officially in now. I think. I know because uh, it's a little confusing because back in January they announced uh, they published a beta version of the ICD-11 and gaming disorder was in there. So we were able to read it. We, I mean, we could read the whole thing. That's really what I focused on. It was gaming disorder and something else that, that uh, I'll mention later. But uh, yeah, now that it's official, now that the ICD-11 is published or whatever date uh, it's official, then yeah, that there's a code, there's a diagnostic code that a doctor could use. And and really, now that that is one practical sense in which it could be used. Um, anybody who is in some sort of clinical or health role could mark that down as a diagnosis. Uh, now, the, another part of it is that if a insurance company wanted to reimburse for treatment for something like that, then now there's a code that could be billed against. For example, so if I don't know Blue Cross Blue Shield here in the states was going to cover treatment for gaming disorder, a clinician, whether it be a, a, a general practitioner, you know, medical doctor, or or a mental health practitioner, they could put that down and charge toward that code, saying that this is what I'm treating. Now it depends a lot on the insurance company. I mean, they may there are things that they may not cover, and that's a whole other conversation. What are the qualifications or the signs that would lead to a diagnosis of gaming disorder? I just, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Why don't I, so, so I'm, I'm going to uh, just uh, spoil the joke first, uh, which is that the gaming disorder criteria is actually just one paragraph long. So, mm. which is, which is very troubling. <laughs> and, and uh, it's, it's a little sad and uh, also kind of funny. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to read that whole paragraph. All right, let's do it. Gaming disorder is characterized by a pattern of persistent or recurrent gaming behavior. And in parentheses, it says digital gaming or video gaming. So that's a really good thing to mention that even though it's gaming disorder, it doesn't include tabletop games, or role-playing games, or like games that are being played out in the playground. It is strictly digital or video gaming, which may be online or offline, manifested by... Number one, impaired control over gaming. Number two, increasing priority given to gaming to the extent that gaming takes precedent over other life interests and daily activities. And three, continuation or escalation of gaming despite the occurrence of negative consequences. The behavior pattern is of sufficient severity to result in significant impairment in personal, family, social, educational, occupational, or other important areas of functioning. The pattern of gaming behavior may be continuous or episodic and recurrent. The gaming behavior and other features are normally evident over a period of at least 12 months in order for a diagnosis to be assigned. Although the required duration may be shortened, if all diagnostic requirements are met and symptoms are severe. Hearing it again just inspires so many questions. <laughs> um, like everybody that I know that's a gamer suddenly has gaming disorder? Like uh, one of those? Is that a thought yeah. that came to your mind? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm also wondering if that's how they describe it. I mean, is that all that the doctors and counselors, is that the entirety of what they have to go on right now as to if someone's sitting in their office and they're considering this diagnosis, is that paragraph the entirety of what they have or is there more? That is it. There is no clinical diagnostic version. There is no version for doctors or hospitals. That is it. That is the entirety of it. It's and, incredible, right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, to me that the language is, it's a little bit tech technical, but it doesn't, it's not unreadable to someone like me who is a lay person. And that kind of begs the question for me is, you know, when they talk about the game impairing or causing negative effects in other areas of their life, how could that possibly be quantified or even qualified? Are the terms there in common use? Like, are they, do they have known definitions 
or known benchmarks in you're asking you're in, asking all the, the right in questions the in the psychology world so so for first of all like the ICD isn't just for people in mental health which is one of the one of the biggest issues like something that we deal with in the United States at least i mean it varies from country to country but in the United States it is general practitioners who do the most prescribing of psychotropic medication right so medication for anxiety or depression it's mostly MDs, right? Family doctors who are doing that. So most people who get a mental health diagnosis never even see a mental health practitioner. That's that's the reality in the U.S. And something like this, it's a. I mean, it could just simply be assigned by a doctor. So uh, to 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 answer your question specifically, like no, like the negative consequences are not defined. There isn't a a list of included negative consequences like what what is a negative consequence i don't i don't know whatever yeah. you want it to be <laughs> it depends on the doctor yeah because i mean i have i have theoretical effects from from gaming so much in college i'm sure that my gpa would have been better if i had replaced gaming with studying but how do you find those cases in the first place man i'm jumping ahead so quickly i wanted to go through <laughs> so many more basics but <laughs> Would it be helpful if I go like step by step through the diagnosis again? Like just stopping in between? I'm going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so right. The first thing it says is uh, manifested by number one, impaired control over gaming. And it says, for example, onset, frequency, intensity, duration, termination, or context. Right. So, what, what, what does that mean exactly? That there is impaired control over gaming. I, I understand that as being like a compulsion. Right. That it's like you can't it's it's difficult for you to regulate how long you're going to play for or where you're playing or stopping playing. Right. That is that is basically my understanding of the criteria. Do you have any specific questions about that? No, I I think that part, I guess, makes sense, except I know what they're trying to get at. But again, being specific about about these things is is tricky. Every gamer has experienced, they've played a game, they've started playing a game, and they're like, oh, okay, well, I'll finish after this next match, this next turn, whatever. And then they don't, obviously, and they keep going on and on for, you know, hour and a half, two hours longer than they meant to. Yeah. You know, obviously, later on, they say, uh, they talk about a pattern that lasts 12 months, but then they say, well, it could be shorter. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That last point is like, you know, and we just want to make sure that you understand that, you know, these symptoms have to be uh, visible for over 12 months. But maybe not, you know, whatever. <laughs> Depends. We'll, we'll play it by ear. See what happens. <laughs> so, I mean, one, one of the funniest ones uh, for me in that first point is the context. So since we're talking about digital gaming, I think that that includes mobile gaming. So if I'm in a meeting and I'm, I'm playing a game on my phone, and I get in trouble at work for that because I'm not paying attention to the meeting, like, I, I would consider that a negative consequence, you know? Mm-hmm. I, don't think, I don't think that's a positive consequence. Did you lose your job because of that? Like, that's a very negative consequence. And, mm-hmm. But all of this is, you know, your first question was on point. Like, what, what exactly is a negative consequence? And I think that varies depending on person to person. Bear with me here, right? But there are professional gamers now. So what if a person is gaming and this is just like me going off on a limb here, but what if I'm not gaming enough? Okay. What if I'm impaired that like, I don't want to game enough. Like my job requires 10 hours of gaming per day or eight hours, right? Of training. And I'm like, I just don't want to do it anymore. Like I don't, I'm not feeling it or I'm playing a different type of game. Like, are we considering that type of thing? Like, is that, is there a negative consequence to playing too little because it doesn't necessarily say too much you know i mean i'm going i'm going like again really really far out there (laughs) now right but it is so vague that i could argue that for a pro gamer who is like having trouble concentrating on playing for eight hours in a row and can only play like he's having an impaired control over his gaming he he's required to play eight hours he can only play six Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> wow I'm, none of this is specific <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i mean i i don't know i just <laughs> that, that's definitely possible what i was 
wondering was, you know, it talks about context and you're saying that the most common situation is it's going to be a doctor and not necessarily someone who specializes in mental health that could give this diagnosis and things like context, a doctor who's not a gamer, how is he or she going to understand the context of gaming and understand those nuances of what it means to be someone who does raid groups in WoW and has commitments to to game once a week, twice a week, whatever, with a group of people versus something else that has no multiplayer or there's there's lots of different things that could be relevant context as it states that a lot of health professionals just won't have in in any respect. Yeah, no, that's that's an excellent point. Right. It's like, well, I only wanted to play for half an hour, but I was playing Dota. I can't play, you know, a match of Dota in half an hour. I like so, you know, I told my wife I was gonna be done in half an hour, but I didn't. And now, you know, she's telling the doctor that, oh, he, you know, he says he'll play for half an hour, but he can't control himself and he's playing for forty five to fifty five minutes. It's like, well, well, that's a that's a typical match in, in, in Dota. And your your example is perfect. Like, like Friday night I went to bed at three AM because I was raiding in WoW. It's like, well, you know, that sounds about right. <laughs> what's, you know, yeah. what's the, what, uh, what, what did I plan for that? Is that exactly what I wanted to do? You know, context is huge here. And that is, and, and the term isn't defined and, and nothing, there's no specifics, you know? Mm-hmm. I think, I think we could have, we could write a whole book about <laughs> different context applications for this particular gaming disorder. The the one thing I do like about this line is it's it's not just about the hours played. It does have does attempt to at least list possible areas of nuance, but it's not just okay, well someone has been gaming this much and and that's the benchmark. It it does go into context, which I think is really important because I like to talk on my show all the time about well, how can you make sure that games stay as a positive thing? Yeah. And the context is huge and being able to fit it around the rest of your life is huge. So I do like that there's at least a little bit of nuance there. Oh, yesterday I finished God of War. I didn't plan to finish it. I just sat down <laughs> and all of a sudden characters are like, well, you know, you should gear up because, uh, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's like a cue for like this. This is the end. Well, I wasn't going to play for another hour, but I might as well because I'm so close. You know, like, mm-hmm. is that? Was that was I under control? I mean, I don't know. That's that's a discussion. But we'll get into that later, right? Like a lot of this is self-report, but we'll get into that. Yeah. I think it's really funny the intensity part. Like what like how how intense <laughs> how intense is yeah, your game? Like how hard do you game, Chess? <laughs> I don't I don't yeah, know what that means. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure either. I mean, is that the difference between playing Candy Crush and playing competitive StarCraft? I think it's how hard did you throw that Wiimote in Wii Tennis? <laughs> did it puncture your television? Then you were then you were you were playing too hard. Your intensity was too high. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It could be anything. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think we'll, we'll we'll have to try to keep some forward momentum. So so what's <laughs> what's the next uh, item on the list? Luckily, there's only three, so this won't <laughs> this won't take too long. Uh, the second one is increasing priority given to gaming to the extent that gaming takes precedence over other life interests and daily activities. So this one is like super frustrating because if you use the example of God of War that I just gave, like, well, maybe I push dinner back an hour, right? Because like I was at the end of the game, I wanted to finish it. I've been playing for like two weeks. I wanted to to, to get to the end already. I'm excited. Is that is is that the type of thing we're talking about? Is it does that count? You know, mm-hmm. the priority given to gaming to the extent that gaming takes precedence over other life interests and daily activities. Like that example of God of War is just very basic. But the truth is, for a lot of people, life sucks. Work <laughs> sucks. Their home sucks. Right. The yeah. relationships suck. They'd rather play a game than have to deal with some other stuff, you know? And then, you know, there we're going into avoidant behaviors and things like that. But, you know, like, what exactly do you mean? Increasing priority given to gaming to the extent that gaming takes precedence over other life. Like, is that not okay? Can gaming never take precedence? Hmm. You know, the, the thing that bothers me the most about this one in particular is if you're talking about kids and what are the jobs of a kid? Basically, like, do your homework, brush your teeth and play, right? Like, kids are supposed to play. Like, 
but you can't like if you're playing too many video games is that does that not count as play anymore is that is that taking precedence over other types of play like because I, i'm thinking about when we hear people complaining it's you know parent advocacy groups and it's you know people who who really don't understand gaming um but but what i understand is like how people differentiate gaming from other types of play there's a lot of play in in our lives it's a big part of who we all are it 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 keeps us happy it's it's a you know for some of us it is it is like the highlight of our week digital gaming video gaming is being singled out in this particular point again very vaguely and very generally yeah and yeah, I hadn't even thought of that is I've been trying to think of this in terms of an adult, but in that description, it, it makes no reference to whether this person has responsibilities. I mean, kids don't have responsibilities and <laughs> they will choose the game over pretty much any other activity, depending on the game and the kid and the situation. But that's very common. Um, I could, I can totally see any kid that has access to a game system, if they aren't restricted off of it, they're going to play all the time. Yeah. Tons and tons and tons of kids are like that. Uh, so that's concerning that there's no differentiation between people who have responsibilities and people who don't. Yeah, I have a really good friend who's a disabled veteran. Plays video games all day. He loves video games. <laughs> it's his job. He doesn't have to go to work. That's what he does. Hmm. And it takes yeah. precedent over other life interests. Well, what if games are your favorite thing in the world? Mm. What if you, I honestly, I much rather play a game than do a lot of other stuff. You know? Yeah. So according to this, that might be a problem. And also the thing that I, that actually does concern me about games, looking back on, on my past is I would put in a lot of hours because I felt like I didn't have something else to do or I didn't feel like other things that I could be doing would be valuable or productive. It's very hard to tell that the gaming is replacing something else if the person doesn't see it that way, if if you know what I mean? That that person is is placing games as priority, but they don't really see it that way because they don't see other things as possible. You know, they're not investing in themselves. They're not trying new things they're not putting themselves out there etc those things aren't necessarily daily activities or even responsibilities but it is important well some of them are right because if you start assigning quality to to different to different things it's like well you know it's better that you go ride your bike than it is to go play video games well is it is it really like you know what are we what are we arguing here what if, what if you also happen to be like on a basketball team and you already did a whole bunch of exercise today? Was your, was your argument exercise? Because I already did that. So like, what difference does it make? Oh, well, you know, it's better for you to meet people in real life than, in, than digitally. Well, is it really? Because all my friends are playing online on Fortnite right now. And I'd rather, <laughs> rather play with them than play with the kids on my block because, you know, like they make fun of me or, or we don't have anything in common. You know, like these conversations, these are the type of conversations that can actually happen that I think are, 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 are good. If somebody comes in to a mental health professional's office and is like, do I have gaming disorder or, or do I have a problem with gaming? These are the type of conversations you can have. And because I know that a lot of people came to see me and sometimes they were just guilty or they were guilted into coming into my office, you know, because someone else told them that they had a problem. And these type of conversations were the ones that would really help someone figure out whether or not they really had a problem or if it was someone who had a problem with what they were doing. Two very different things. Now a word about Discord, sponsor of this series on games and mental health. Discord is the greatest way for gamers to connect online. Hang out in chat rooms to discuss gaming exploits, then jump into voice chat to play a co-op match. All of this for free on your desktop or mobile device. This very episode is the result of a discussion on Discord. I posted about the World Health Organization decision about gaming disorder, and people started jumping in with perspectives that I hadn't considered, including my guest, Josue Cardona. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do for an episode, but I realized that taking that discussion we had and turning it into an episode would be perfect. So I messaged Josue directly to ask him about it, and bam, here's an episode for you. 
That's why the Discord server for Plus 7 Intelligence is the place to discuss how games impact the world. To join the server specifically for Plus 7 Intelligence listeners, and to get started with Discord, go to discord.gg slash plus 7. Or within Discord, simply type in plus 7 as the server. That's discord.gg slash plus numeral 7. The link is in the show notes and on plus7intelligence.com as well. Plus 7 Intelligence is also brought to you by another great show, Two Girls, One Podcast. I am a voracious podcast listener. I lost track of my podcast subscriptions after around 60 shows. And I have to say that Two Girls, One Podcast is simultaneously one of the funniest and most informative shows out there. Each episode, actors Ali and Jen look into an internet community or subculture that most of us might only know by reputation or rumor. And they talk to someone in that community who can take them on a tour of what they are all about. You never know what to expect, and you'll find that people from all corners of the internet have more in common with you than you would ever think. Join them as they dive into everything from niche dating sites to Jediism as a way of life to the fact checkers behind Snopes. They even have an episode with video game archaeologist Andrew Reinhard, who was the guest on the very first episode of this show. You can find Two Girls, One Podcast on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, and more. Tonight on NBC. Will everyone in the cardiac surgical department please raise your hands? Thank you. You're all fired. Based on an inspiring true story. Any department who places billing above care, you will be terminated. One doctor will break every rule. Just tell me what you need, what your patients need. To inspire a revolution. Let's get into some trouble. Let's be doctors again. From the network that brings you This Is Us, New Amsterdam, tonight on NBC. Again, I think our general consensus on this this aspect of it is it's a very general and it doesn't give really any handholds to to really make any kind of certain definitions and to be be confident and consistent in and how someone would diagnose this. Yeah. Yeah. So what was point number three? Number three is continuation or escalation of gaming despite the occurrence of negative consequences. We talked about this before, right? Um, this one is the only one that gets a little more specific. It says, the behavior pattern is of sufficient severity to result in significant impairment in personal, family, social, educational, occupational, or other important areas of functioning. So hmm. these get into like, you were playing for so long that you didn't eat for three days, or you didn't shower, or you didn't brush your teeth. You know, and these are starting to get into health concerns, you know. You didn't feed your baby, you know. Uh, that type of thing, uh, reports like that have, have come out. You didn't pick up your kids from school. You didn't pay the bills. You know, things like that are, I think, much much easier to understand, right? Those are those sound like, like a real problem. Yeah, and since it says, despite these negative impacts, that to me implies that the person is aware of those impacts and is is still continuing. And I think that's pretty valuable. That I think that's something that if someone comes in, that's a situ- situation that they can understand as a problem, that they made decisions, they kept playing, even after they knew that it was going to cause cause some kind of problem for them, or was very likely at least to cause a problem for them. That's a, that's a really good point because there's a big difference between someone coming in and saying, listen, I need help um, because I I feel like I'm playing too much. I didn't pick up my kid from school the other day, uh, you know, and, and I don't like that. That doesn't, that's not me. Um, I, I feel like I need to control my, my behavior a little more. I need, feel like I need to control my gaming habits. Please help me. That's very different from, again, someone coming in and, saying, well, you know, my mom says or my wife or my, my husband, my kids say that I'm playing too much. And but there isn't really a problem, right? It's like people are complaining is, is that's not the same thing. I, I find a little bit more value in, in this point and how it's worded, because if the person is aware, then they can make judgments about 
how it affects their social life, how it affects their job. And yeah, like you said, it's, it's more valuable than someone else's, whether it's another family member or even the doctor's idea of what constitutes a, a serious impairment. Yeah, there is this idea of clinical significance, which is, you know, something is actual, an actual impairment, something that is causing um, harm, does have a negative consequence. But also the negative consequence thing is like, well, what is the negative consequence itself? If you're in college, you're playing, you missed a couple classes, and you can still get by with the C, maybe you don't see that as a problem. Right. Mm. It's like, well, you know, I think I think it was worth it. I think it was fine. I still passed the class. I don't care. Mm. Like that's then that may not be a problem because you, you don't see it as a problem. Nothing. Right. Yeah, I could have gotten a B, but you know what? I'd rather I'd rather play with my friends. And OK, well, then then I'm not going to sit here like in my, in my clinical role. I wouldn't be like, oh, well, you know, well, then it is a problem because you shouldn't get a C. You know, like that's not that's not supposed to be the job of the clinician. Now, mm. that is. That, ha- that does happen a lot, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> that will happen with your doctor and that'll happen in many different scenarios. But the truth is that those conversations can lead to an understanding, right? It's like, well, you know, like, hey, doc, I understand what you're saying, but I'm cool with the C. I'm, like, I'm a C student. That's fine for me. Like, I'm, I'm cool. I, I always miss a couple classes. Okay, then, then it's not a problem. I don't, I don't think we can put that down on the list of, of negative consequences. Hmm. See, and, and this is this is a big problem that just uh, is a general problem within mental health diagnoses or behavioral diagnoses is that so much so much of it is self-report and we're not measuring necessarily those negative consequences. Like we need to we need to understand if you think they're a negative consequence, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, sure, there are some cases where maybe like you really didn't feed your kid because you were playing. So now social services gets involved and I see there's like legal you know, court documents that are explaining to me exactly what happened and why your child was taken away from you. And like, that's a very different problem than, than the girl who's in college and just missed a couple classes. And is like, you know, I'm, I'm okay with being a C student. Like it really, it, it depends, you know, two people with the same exact behavior and different consequences. Like it's a, there has to be conversation, but ultimately most of that stuff comes from self-report from, from what's, what's coming from, from the client, what they're saying is, is going on. Hmm. And yeah. uh, there's there's a quote from uh, there's a, there's a book about the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, that I I really like. It's it's basically talks it talks about all the problems that there are with the DSM here in the U.S. And I saw a, a New York Times article where they were interviewing the the author, and uh, he said a doctor who diagnoses strep entirely on the basis of symptoms is practicing bad medicine, while a doctor who diagnoses depression only on the basis of symptoms is practicing standard psychiatry. So it's one of these things where, like, what we're talking about here is, again, there's a lot of self-report. There's a lot of just looking at symptoms, and we're not really looking at the causes here, right? We're not looking at why this person is playing more often mm-hmm. than, than would be maybe considered healthy. Because, you know, that's an argument that you're going to hear a lot from mental health professionals now is that, Playing a lot, playing to what seems to be the detriment of other things in your life is probably a symptom of something else. Like the video games themselves are not the cause of the problem or the impairment. Like the, there's a problem and you are basically self-medicating or avoiding by playing games. And that's something that's very different from saying that video games cause these problems in your life. That was something that I wanted to ask about was does what they've listed actually make any claims about the cause of gaming disorder? No, we've gone through the paragraph twice. There's no mention of cause. (laughs) I mean, unless you read it as the gaming itself is the cause of these negative consequences. But, But I don't think you can read it that way. That's an interesting thing that a lot of people are are concerned about this diagnosis because it it plays into a lot of the stigma of if you play video games, you'll become addicted, etc. But even though this recognizes a disorder, it doesn't actually say that video games are the cause. Now, gaming disorder is listed under a category 
called the disorders due to substance abuse or addictive behaviors. Hmm. So, you know, it's like, it's implied that there is an addiction here, right? Because it, there's not a substance abuse. Nobody's making the claim that, at least I don't think anyone's making the claim that video games are equivalent to an illegal substance or a substance that could lead to dependence or addiction. And then, so I guess we're talking about an addictive behavior, right? So you could be addicted to different behaviors, right? I mean, there are different uh, um, disorders that are that are related to different behaviors that are not uh, drug or substance related, right? So right. like gambling, sex addiction, things like that, right? Like people talk about those all the time. So really you're putting gaming into that category. But right. yeah, but there's no specific claim of a of a cause. And that was something else that, you know, I had a question about was, you know, it's called gaming disorder. Does that mean addiction was basically the question? Because obviously, I think a lot of people who write about it basically make the equivalence. But it sounds like for what you're saying, they are at least implying, even if they aren't saying it directly, that they are treating it very similar or the same as an addiction. Mm hmm. Yeah. Now, addiction is a is a scientific term, is a clinical term. The way that most people use the word addiction casually is incorrect. Most things that people just like to do a lot, uh, like binge watching on Netflix, it's not an addiction. Something very different. And there are the discomfort. This conversation can get more more complicated. As far as the ICD is concerned, gaming disorder falls under disorders due to substance abuse or addictive behaviors. That's it, right? Like that that's all I can say. I don't know the reasoning, you know, I don't know anything deeper than that because this is all they've given us. Even the statements that representatives have made from the WHO are not very insightful, you know? Mm -hmm. They don't really explain much. So, I think also something that is interesting is it doesn't seem like it has any suggestions or prescriptions for how to treat gaming disorder. Oh yeah, yeah. So, um, the ICD and the the DSM, which which by the way, the DSM again is the American Psychiatric Association's diagnostic bible. Mental health professionals in the United States tend to use that primarily. The only time I ever even heard of using the ICD in place of the DSM was when the DSM five was going to come out. That so many people were against it that insurance companies said, "Well, you know, you can just use the ICD codes, so it doesn't matter." Hmm. But in the DSM currently. Uh, they have something called internet gaming disorder, and it's listed as a condition for further study. So it's something like they, they're not committed yet to actually calling it, calling some sort of, you know, gaming or video gaming uh, related um, disorder or something official. But you're right, these are diagnostic manuals. They aren't treatment manuals. And Oh, Chess, if you want to get into, like, this is a whole other episode, right, on on treatment. Uh, because, like, I have very specific training. And I have one way that I would deal with the, with this. And there, there are completely different ways, you know? And I think it depends a lot on how you you see, like, and, I'm, and I don't mean this disorder in particular. I mean just, like, if it was addiction, right? Like, for example, I am not a substance and addiction counselor i'm not trained in that and so if someone came to me with a substance abuse problem or any kind of addiction i would probably refer them out because that is a very specific type of treatment so i wouldn't even i wouldn't even go there hmm. but there are different different modalities there are different theories for for treatment in some of the articles that they did talking about this decision they would bring on people who for instance run a treatment camp that is that's described as if your kid is addicted to games or has a problem gaming come to this camp where we don't let them have any devices no screens and this is the treatment for gaming disorder it's kind of odd to me that we're in a place now that there's a disorder but it doesn't seem like there's any any codified treatment for it. Yeah, again, I mean, different people will see it uh, differently and different people, I mean, there are all sorts of different uh, quote-unquote treatment uh, options available for for lots of different things. You know, like some, someone with, um, who has an, uh, an alcohol abuse problem, 
they they might go to AA. But other people, like some people will be like, no, AA, don't go to AA, go to this other treatment program that, it, you know, that actually works. And and you'll hear people say the opposite, right? There's a, there's a lot of subjectivity in terms of um, treatment in the mental health world. And in particular, in the addiction uh, world, it's, it's really, it's really complicated. There are lots of programs. There's a lot of people who like they finish one program and unfortunately it doesn't stick and they need to go to another program or they need to come back. You know, some of these programs are ongoing and, and just to be clear, I do not think that gaming disorder, especially as stated here, and most people would require some sort of, um, gaming disorder camp to, to get cured, for example. Right. I mean, at its worst, I think that most of the time, anybody who would come in with a problem would be, you know, there's some, like, you just learn to regulate your time and your compulsions and your and your, your behavior in different ways, the same way you would do it with many other things, you know, like CBT uh, practices, right, where you, you deal with all sorts of behaviors that you want to stop. And this wouldn't be that different. Things like that, like a like a camp for for you know treating video game addiction, which again isn't an, an accurate term, not a scientific term anyway. Um, I don't know; those things seem to me pray away the gay camps and things like that. It's like somebody really, really wants to stop this thing from happening, and they have an idea or a theory, and it's not necessarily backed up by any sort of science. But they but they believe that they're doing good. You know, they believe that they're helping people and they're going to go forward and do that because that type of treatment that's just like a camp or, or whatever isn't isn't really regulated, you know? I'm wondering if now that there is a classification of gaming disorder, will that improve the situation? That, that Does that open the door for better studies of treatment now that there's a a singular definition that's available now? Does that improve the situation or does it just open the door that now that there's a possible diagnosis of it, official diagnosis of it, does that open the door for anyone who wants to to promote their own version of treatment? So in the DSM, homosexuality was listed as a mental health disorder until 1973 when it wasn't. In the DSM-4, Asperger's syndrome was in the DSM-4, and then in the DSM-5, it was taken away. Just, it doesn't exist anymore. So these things can change. Just because I think that gaming disorder is in the ICD-11 right now, I don't believe at all that it will have a major impact. I don't think it'll have an impact on much, honestly. Um, I don't think that there will be more research necessarily into it, because I think that video gaming and... uh, and behavior related to video games is something that is being studied a lot and has been for for years. And people have wanted to prove some sort of video game addiction, and they haven't they haven't been able to. And maybe someday there will be some sort of you know uh, multiple studies that actually support that. But we don't have those right now, and I don't think the gaming disorder is going to stick. I think the gaming gaming disorder is so problematic because it opens. First of all, like that that description, those three points, that one paragraph is garbage. And you could apply that to anything, right? Like at some point, some advocacy group is going to say, well, you know, uh, Netflix is the devil now and we need to have a Netflix disorder. And, you know, like you could make all the same exact arguments that you could make for gaming disorder. You could make it for Netflix disorder. And yeah. I think that at some point, it's going to jump the shark and there's a pendulum that's going to swing back the other way. And it's like, well, you know, this is getting ridiculous now. So let's actually... Let's actually do it right. And the DSM has an opportunity to be an example. Now, I don't trust the DSM either. The DSM could possibly make it worse. But there's, a, there's an opportunity there for another diagnosis that is way more specific, way more detailed, and much more helpful than what's in the ICD. Right. I, I think the proposed or I think the pr- proposed criteria for the DSM for internet gaming disorder, I think it has nine different points, nine different symptoms, I think. Yeah, it definitely seems like people put more thought into it than than the ICD people did, yeah. <laughs> hmm. And I think I wanted to make one more just observation before going into some other things that 
in this description, there's no no distinction between what type of game it is. As long as it's a digital or video game, it makes no distinction about different aspects of the game. How absurd is that? (laughs) There's so many different types of games. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and also things like loot boxes and microtransactions and aspects of games that I think people have had problems with recently in particular you know there's there's nothing about qualities of the game that uh, that makes any distinction which partly i understand because you know someone might play minecraft and and it be what they want to do all the time and then that's what that's what they do instead of all those other things that they should be doing in their life but someone else might bounce off of that game and not be interested in it at all i mean i think i've heard of people getting quote unquote, addicted to pretty much any kind of game, whether it's MOBAs or first person shooters, creative games. And this is what I think games. That, this is where I think that a lot of the research falls apart. The moment that a gamer looks at it is like, wait, 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 wait. OK, you just mentioned Minecraft. What kind of Minecraft are we talking about here? Are we in creative <laughs> mode? Are we playing survival? What difficulty are we on? Is there an expansion? Like what, what is it? Are we playing on a server with friends? Are we playing on a modified server that is uh, geared towards education? Because those exist. What mm-hmm. are we doing? Are we on Minecraft EDU? Like, give me 10 people and I'll show you 10 different uses of Minecraft. Like, yeah. when I play Minecraft, I'm, I've been basically just building this giant building for years, mm-hmm. right? That's like my, my, my peaceful go-to place. And I'm just, I'm just building it up. That's it. That's me playing Minecraft, <laughs> you know, and every every single person uh, like plays games differently, different games. Again, they range from they're so, so different, you know, like I mentioned God of War earlier. I've also mentioned Fortnite and Dota. Wow. You know, we've talked about games that are so completely different. Yeah. How can you not differentiate? And that's why, again, a lot of the research just like what exactly like a lot of research on games doesn't even mention any of the criteria like what controller were they using what difficulty setting was it what like what was the environment like were they playing alone or were they playing like what was the like toxicity level of the people (laughs) that they were playing with there's all these different factors that would affect the things that are being measured and it's really hard um or it's hard for me to take it seriously if you say just gaming as if it was just like games were just one thing and that makes me think that the people who wrote this don't play games. Games are absolutely incredibly difficult to study, but when it's obvious that even the most cursory care wasn't taken to <laughs> differentiate, yeah, that that's incredibly frustrating. So I guess what I was saying about loot boxes and microtransactions is like this this doesn't give an answer to those at all. If there's any questions about, well, are loot boxes in particular, are they addictive? This doesn't say anything about that. Yeah, like in a, in a more general sense, that, that would be a feedback loops, right? So like there's there's the feedback loop that I'm getting from playing Minecraft and just putting blocks down isn't like, I'm just like losing myself in the in the building, for example, right? I'm not really winning anything. I'm not gaining anything. There's no, you know, balloons popping. There's no sound reinforcing, you know, that I did a good job, but other games are, are full of that. And other games are all about mastery, you know, and, and you're, you're playing and some of them are about getting that loot and some of them have loot boxes, right? And maybe that's an excellent point. Like, is it, is it the loot box mechanic that has you hooked and coming back for more? Is it the, the, the battle pass? Is it, is it winning the online match? Is it completing the level? Like what exactly is it that is keeping you coming back? That's a that's a really broad conversation. Yeah. And of course, none of that is in that one paragraph in the ICD. Yeah, especially if it's something that is not programmed into the game itself. You know, I mean, someone, people will create their own goals within a game. And, you know, like you said, building your one gigantic tower, you know, that might be the thing for you that some creative project like that might be what consumes you and in other aspects of life, we might actually consider that a plus if someone is incredibly passionate about creating something that is meaningful to them. Yeah, like like my, me building that building in Minecraft, how is that different from me painting or 
writing poetry or playing music, for example, right? Like all these things, you can't omit them from the conversation. You know, if it's a creative endeavor for me, then it's just as, it's like it's playing the same role for me as it would be as if I was, you know, building something with my bare hands out of clay. That's it for part one of my discussion with Josue Cardona on gaming disorder as it is defined by the World Health Organization. I hope that you found this first part as informative as I did. Maybe like me, after hearing the context that Josue gave, you found yourself with way more questions than answers, but that's fine because that's how things eventually get figured out. Be sure to check out Josue's episode from season one, episode three, I believe it is. We talk about how he uses video games as part of treatment and discussion with his counseling clients. It's fascinating. And also, be sure to catch his own podcast. He is the head of the Geek Therapy Network of Shows. I mentioned his show on video games and psychology called Headshots all the time. I cannot recommend it enough. That's it for this week's Intelligence Boost. Next week, a continuation of this discussion, reaching beyond the basics and digging into the deeper ramifications of a world where gaming disorder is a recognized mental health condition. Subscribe so you don't miss it, and let me know your thoughts in the Plus 7 Intelligence Discord at discord.gg slash plus 7. Thanks for listening. I'll see you in 7. Will everyone in the cardiac surgical department please raise your hands? Thank you. You're all fired. Based on an inspiring true story. Any department who places billing above care, you will be terminated. One doctor will break every rule. Just tell me what you need, what your patients need. To inspire a revolution. Let's get into some trouble. Let's be doctors again. From the network that brings you This Is Us, New Amsterdam, tonight on NBC.